Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, January 8th, 2022. I am the youngest in my family. Obviously, I've got my two parents, and then I've got two older brothers. So there was one thing that was very hard to do for me growing up in my house, and that was win an argument. I mean, it's hard to win an argument with your parents. They're they're the ones that brought you into this world, and as they might remind you from time to time, they can take you out of it. But even with older brothers, right, no matter how old I got growing up, guess what? They were always still older. They were learning more stuff. They were ahead in me in school. It was hard to win an argument with them. And maybe I can get some support from the other younger siblings on the podcast that are listening today, uh, how hard that was for us growing up. But I want to point out something that's even much more difficult. Well, it's impossible to do. There is someone that you are never going to win an argument against, and that's somebody is God. And we want to think more about that idea of trying to argue with God or win an argument against God as we look today at Job 11 through 14 in our Old Testament reading. Uh, We've kind of tried to divide up the reading so we keep these units uh, together of one of Job's friends kind of talking to him and then getting Job's response. And now today, we are to Zophar, Zophar the Namathite. Uh, he's going to answer and speak, and he gives more of the same bad counsel uh, that Job's other friends have given him. Uh, basically, hey, if you repent, if you turn away from whatever secret sin you're not telling us all about, Job, you'll be just fine. Um, and he even goes so far, verse 12, he says, but a stupid man will get understanding when a wild donkey's colt is born a man. Uh, Job might have been fair to interject there and say, you calling me stupid? Because uh, it really seems like what Zo- that's what Zophar is doing. So not only when we look at Job's friends, really is the substance of their counsel bad, um, but it's also the manner in which they give it. They, they are truly miserable comforters because one, they're not saying the truth. And two, they're not saying it in a helpful way. And if one thing we want to learn from the book of Job is how to not be miserable counselors and friends to those that are suffering, well, hopefully it helps us learn what we should speak truth. And we should also speak truth in a helpful and caring and compassionate way. And again, you've got to look carefully at what Zophar is saying because it's a mixed bag. I mean, look at verse 7 in chapter 11. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? Man, that sounds like Isaiah 40. That sounds like Romans 11. Um, But really, as we look at all of what he is saying, we're saying the punchline of what he is saying is not true. Now we go to the book of Job, and and we can see um, that he's kind of getting frustrated with his friends. In verse 2 of chapter 12, he says, no doubt you are the people and wisdom will die with you. He's getting a little sassy at them, but then he's saying, but I have understanding as well as you. Hey, I know some things too. But now as we continue to look at Job, I want us to notice there's 
going to be something of a mixed bag in Job's responses as well. Whoa, what do you mean, pastor? I thought Job was perfect. Well, that's where we need to think very carefully because Job is clearly commended even outside the book of Job. He is commended as somebody that is righteous. Uh, We see a godly response to suffering in this book. Yet, at the same time, when we get to the end of the book of Job, spoiler alert, We are going to see Job say, I'm going to be quiet and I need to repent in dust and ashes. So what is it? Is Job a a faithful example of patience and suffering, even as the book of James says? Or is he a rotten sinner giving us a bad example? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's ultimately going to be a mixed bag because he does so many things that even the rest of scripture commends him. And, and gives him to us as an example. But we're also going to see Job has some things to repent of. And so as we go through, we're going to want to point out well, what is good and what is uh, maybe not so good. And I think we get a great example of that, both sides, even in one verse today in Job 13, verse 15, where he says this, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet, I will argue my ways to his face. I think that one verse gives us a taste of both the good and the bad in Job's response uh, to all of his suffering. The first half, I mean, that is the faith we should all pray for. God, give me that faith that even though it feels like you're killing me, I will still hope in you no matter what. That is aspirational exemplary faith. We should look for that. We should seek that. But then he talks about arguing his ways to God. And ultimately, when we get to the end, I think we'll see even as he uses this language of, you know, I'm going to lay my hand on my mouth. I'm not going to attempt to speak. Really, he's saying, I'm not going to argue with God. And I think what we see here, and we see that earlier in chapter 13 as well in verse three, but I would speak to the almighty and I desire to argue my case with God. Right. And part of that, I think, is coming from his frustration that I can't make my case to these rotten, lousy counselor friends, but maybe I can argue my case with God. And that's where I think we will see Job make some missteps in his response to suffering. Is he seeking to argue his case with God? And that's where I think, well, now let's think about our own lives. How many times do you seek to argue with God? How many times do you basically want to say, God, this situation in my life, it's not right. You gave me a raw deal, God. This sickness I'm dealing with, God, it'd be so much better off. And God, I could even serve you more if I was healthier. Or God, this this marriage that you've put me in, don't you want me to be happy? You know, why, why did you put me in this situation? Or why did you give me this job or this economic difficulty? We want to argue our case with God and even say, God, I would be better off. And even we want to get real pious and say, God, I'd be better off at serving you if, if, if you weren't putting this trial into my life. And that's where I think when we get to the end of that robe, we will end up like, of that road, we will end up like Job. Um, we will end up saying, yeah, I put my hand on my mouth and I repent in dust and ashes. I I think that's what we'll be saying um, in those moments. And so 
Uh, we want to think carefully about Job, but there still is that hope that he has. And that's where I think we should seek to follow that example. God, no matter what happens, I'm going to hope in you. You are the one that I'm going to continue to trust in. And something else that's good in Job's response in these chapters, in chapter 14, is he does seem to have a confidence uh, beyond this life. Um He's thinking about something even beyond what he's experiencing now. He uses this illustration of the tree. And even though you chop the tree down to the stump, it's going to bud again. And he says this in verse 14 of chapter 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal should come. It talks about renewal. The idea is even almost a change of clothes, right? That there's a renewal he trusts is coming. And that's where I think it really points to the resurrection, that we will experience a renewal. All of us, barring the return of Christ, we're going to die. Our tree, so to speak, is going to be chopped down, but there will be a renewal. And when we go through suffering, we should have an eternal perspective. We should remind ourselves this life is not all that there is. And we want to have that trust in God and that trust in that renewal that is to come, even if we don't and shouldn't argue our case with God or try to act like we know more than God. We, we want to trust him and look to the future that he has promised. Now let's go forward in the gospel of Luke as we return to the New Testament where really for about the first half of the year, we're basically going to be going through the life of Christ, more of a chronological life of Christ. And so we've seen the birth, but today we're going to look at Luke chapter 2 verses 21 through 39. And as we look at these verses, we're going to see Jesus being circumcised, Jesus coming to the temple. Notice there in verse 22, it says, according to the law of Moses, even as a baby, right? Jesus is fulfilling all that the law requires. And they come to offer um, really this offering to Jesus. Think all the way back to the Passover and the firstborn were were spared. So there was uh, a special offering given for the firstborn uh, of the children of Israel. And they offer a pair of Uh, turtle doves or two young pigeons, it says. And that tells us that Mary and Joseph were were probably not very wealthy. Oftentimes when there were prescribed sacrifices, there were different options given. And some were clearly there as options for people that might not have the means to offer a more substantial uh, animal. But then we meet this guy named Simeon. In verse 25, he's described as a man who was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And we learn that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Again, Christ, another word for Messiah. And that's where we don't have a lot of details. How did God tell him that? We don't know. Was he... You know, it doesn't even necessarily give us the impression, well, you know, was he 200 years old? We don't know. He could have been more of a normal age and God had just promised, well, before you pass, you will see the Lord's Christ. You will see the Messiah. And even there, just notice this whole concept of Messiah is clearly one that was in the air when Christ was born. Clearly, people were expecting a Messiah to come. 
And we see some great things about Jesus here, but we also see a bit of the controversial nature of Jesus. First, let's see the the great things just in what he says in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel, right? We see all of this um, and just... As you think about uh, this man, uh, Simeon, waiting for the Messiah to come, just think of the blessing that you have, knowing that the Messiah has already come, that you live in this time of a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Praise God for that. But you also see the controversial nature of Jesus, even as Simeon speaks to Mary and he says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. So not everybody was going to respond well to Jesus. He was going to be a part of the fall of many. And even he talks about a sword that will pierce through Mary's own soul. Just think of her watching Jesus be crucified and what that must have felt like for her. So Jesus, he is the Savior. He is the Messiah. He is the light that even us Gentiles can rejoice in. But he was a controversial figure and still today, There are many rising because of their faith in Christ, but there are many falling because of their opposition to Christ. So we see that there in Luke and let us rejoice in the Savior that we can know through God's word, Jesus. We have seen through scripture, the Lord's Christ, and we can rejoice in that. And as we face trials, let's follow the exemplary faith of Job and trust in God, even though uh, it might feel like everything is falling apart. And let's learn from maybe some of the missteps that Job makes and seek and just resolve to give up. I am not going to argue with God. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.